let's have a look at verse 16 of chapter 5, 2 Corinthians. It says, the first part, therefore, from now on, everybody say, from now on. on. You never remember your parents saying, from now on, or the teacher, the head teacher, from now on, all right, no more lip, or whatever. But what does God say? From now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Now, this verse has been on my heart for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. It just keeps coming back to me, keeps flying around my head. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view or other translations, no one after the flesh. We are not merely human beings. We are much more than. Okay? That's where I'm going today. Let's read a little bit around this. Let's go back to verse 14. Think, well, why? Um, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge it this way, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live, that's us, should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Jump down to 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Verse 21, for he made him who knew no sin, that's Jesus, God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. Whoa, that's a transfer. My goodness. We are new creatures in Christ when we get born again. We are new beings. Now, how many remember the change that happened when you asked Jesus into your life? Wave at me or say yes. You are still alive. One person. Yeah, that's good. Something was different. For most, it was maybe a gradual awareness that things weren't the same. Mostly for better. (laughs) Some were completely changed, noticeably and radically, almost in an instant. For some, it was a dawning. But in any instance, we can all point to a change within. Okay? We all changed. Something happened. A change big enough to say, I am a new person. I am different. I am not the person I used to be. I could go on and share my testimony, but I won't because I haven't got time today. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We have been born of the Spirit and are not merely the outward people that we see physically. We have become giants in the spirit realm. And I look in the mirror, I say, I am a giant. <laughs> I'm constantly amazed at how slight I am because I feel like I'm not built for this body because I feel like a giant in God. But God's got a sense of humor. I so am not physically. But praise God. Now then, I'm going to pick on Mark in a moment. So that's fine. Because I know Mark can handle it. But I, I was thinking, well, who shall I choose? It's all right. You can just sit there and go, yeah, that's fine. Now, when we come together, who do we see? Do we look at each other and say, oh, there's Mark, husband of Kathy, father of Nathaniel, Noah and Neve, my elder and leader in Freedom Church? In the natural. 
Or do we see Mark, my brother, fellow laborer in the gospel, man of vision with words from heaven just waiting to break open, a man excited by what can be done to further the gospel in this digital age, a man called to go beyond what others have done, a man with a future and a hope, a man for whom God has plans bigger than any of us have yet seen. Do I have an amen? You can affirm that in him. You can call that out. You see, well, why am I saying this? Because you see the way we view one another influences what we allow them to step into in God. It doesn't necessarily determine it, but it will influence it. But not only this, the way we view one another also determines the level of blessing we receive through one another. Now, if we are believing that we are conduits of heaven, that we are connected with God, then I know that my cares can minister life to me because he knows his heavenly father. He has a link. He may even say things he doesn't realize he's saying. I think I take that. Wow, that was prophetic. That's really interesting. Wow, mark it. Give you an example. Look at Matthew 13, 53 to 58. Jesus in the synagogue. Um, it doesn't show it as well in um, the Luke version of this. But Jesus goes to the synagogue, i.e. the church of that day, where the Jewish people would gather. Chapter 13, 58, did I say? 53 to 58. Dilly, 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 dilly. Dilly, dim. Okay, so, and it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. When he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mum Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon and Judas? And his sisters, aren't they all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? So they were offended at him. This is Jesus. Can you imagine being offended at Jesus? Well, actually, I can. <laughs> I can understand it because he said some pretty offensive things. But if you were willing to sift it and take the truth, you would be blessed. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. Now, he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Jesus did amazing miracles, didn't he? Nothing is impossible for Jesus. Would you agree? But he could not because of unbelief. He was restrained, constricted, and they could not receive the fullness of who Jesus was because they simply wouldn't believe it. They couldn't process beyond the natural realm. Well, we know his mom. We know his mom. It's Jesus. I mean, come on. They weren't willing to go beyond. Now, the reason this verse from so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view is a word to us. What do you see when you come together on a Sunday? What do you see when you think of somebody in, in, the, in the church? Do you see them after the spirit? Do you think, actually, do you know, 
And the more you start to tune into a wavelength of heaven, you start to think, I've got a word for this person. I've got a word of encouragement. I think the Holy Spirit's saying something. And it could be the very thing they've been praying and asking God about, but you may have no idea about it. I could go off at so many tangents as I've got to be so disciplined today. Bear with me. So, who do you see when you come together on a Sunday? Do you see a bunch of all sorts? A big mix of different people, different nationalities, different personalities, different gifts, different interests, different ages, different accents, different qualifications. Or do you see something else? Hebrews 12, verse 22. I love this. You have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn. That is us. Whose names are written in heaven. Whoa. You've come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect. Hang on a minute. Have I been made perfect? I'm a work in progress, but through the eyes of Jesus... God sees perfection. He sees righteousness. We've come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Wow. That's powerful. And that is us. Do you believe it? Three? Any more believe it? When we come together, we each come... With prophetic words hanging over our heads. Did you know that? It may say, anointed of God. I'm looking at Alice because we had a conversation the other week about that. If you remember. It was amazing what you said. You can ask Alice later. Partner with Jesus. Call to the nations. Why am I looking at Jacob? <laughs> Woman of visions, a seer. Why am I looking at Sarah? Gift of encouragement. I'm looking at Jeff and June. Compassionate one. Seated in authority. Overcomer. But maybe no one has ever looked above to see the words that are over your life. Or maybe you've forgotten those words that were brought to you. Or maybe you've started to doubt those words that were brought to you. So when we come together, it's for us to affirm those words and remind each other of who we really are. Yeah. It can be slightly uncomfortable. A little bit embarrassing. You know, when you sing those songs, they say, right, turn to your neighbor and sing the song to your neighbor. Oh. Don't let doing that, please. Okay. But the thing is, what's a little bit of embarrassment? Breaking out of our comfort zones to discover the gold. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. 
Let's look beyond the natural and see who we really are and encourage one another in Christ to fulfill all that we're meant to be. Your destiny may depend on the encouragement of another believer. And maybe you have a word that is what someone else needs to hear. As you share what you see, you call forth who they really are. And what happens is it resonates on the inside of you and say, wow, that sounds good. I like that. I, 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 could, I think I could, I could, do you know what? Wow. It does something. Words are so powerful. And the enemy wants to twist words and distort them and rubbish them. And yet, in the hands of the child of God, words can be so effective. It can unlock situations. It can heal people. All manner of things. So, let's not become weary and well-doing in driving after this. Let's not give up coming together and encouraging one another. And all the more as we see the day approaching. Hebrews chapter 10, 24 and 5. Let's call out who we each are in Christ and let us encourage one another. Let's challenge one another. Because that's there too. If we're sick, let us remind one another what Jesus has done. He's taken our sicknesses. You've heard me speak on this before. And borne our pains. We don't have to stand for sickness anymore. But maybe you need help to believe it. It is tough. Um, we have to stand our ground when we're attacked in the physical realm. And there is a learning. I struggled with it, as you were well aware. Um, but I can encourage you. I can say, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on the cross. Remember what it says. He nailed sickness to the cross. It's the infallible word of God. It is truth. Now let that sink deep into your heart. Let it become revelation reality. And then you think, ah, I know it. I know it now. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. It's a secret. It's a mystery. I don't understand it. But the more we hold that word before us, the more it starts to impact our spirit man and becomes a reality. I can stand with you and remind you the Holy Spirit is resident within. And as in Romans, it says somewhere, I couldn't find it. He will quicken our mortal flesh by his Holy Spirit who lives within us. I will call the Christ man in you. Christ in you. The hope of glory is in you. He is in each one of us who've received Jesus. This is fantastic. This is our inheritance. Okay. Oh, time is so short and I've got so much I want to share. I'm not going to be able to, but I will give us a very brief summary because I've got something else I want to go on to. So I could summarize in three ways. From now on, I will no longer regard myself from a worldly point of view. I will see myself as seated with Christ, as forgiven, as washed in the blood, having a future and a hope as known by God. As whole and well and healed by the stripes of Jesus. I will see myself as one for whom God has made all provision. And so on and so on and so on. Secondly, I will no longer view you with natural eyes. I will see you as being a new creature in Christ. I will see you as saved by his grace. 
I will see you as a brother or sister in Christ and as a co-equal with Jesus. I will see you as born of the Spirit, having a blueprint from heaven for your life, having promises from heaven for your life. I will see you as being led forward in triumphal procession in Christ, no matter what circumstance you're going through. And it's so tempting to give sympathy to people. So, oh, there, 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 there. There's a place to have empathy, but don't give me sympathy. I want you to say, come on, Stu, believe the word. Come on, I'll stand with you. I know it's tough. I know you're feeling down. But I want you to be encouraged. Remember what God says. Come on, I'm not going to join you in your pity party. I want to bring you up here. Come on, you can do it. We can do it together. I want to see you as victorious, an overcomer, prospering even as your soul prospers, as a spirit being with a shape ordained by heaven. And for my part, I will call out what I see as your gift and your calling. And thirdly, which is a preach in itself, I will view everyone else who's not yet born again with heavenly perspective as a life for whom Jesus shed his blood created in God's image with a destiny and a future of success and wholeness created with a relationship with God in mind. As I say, it's a whole preach in itself, but that's not my emphasis this morning. What I believe God is trying to underscore is amongst us, amongst one another, one another, that we will no longer look at each other just merely in the natural realm. Not me, not you, nor anyone else on this planet. The word is clear. We don't look at anybody anymore from a mere worldly perspective. There is a divine thing going on behind every person's life. So, as for us, we owe it to one another to believe who we are in God. To believe in the one who is within each of us. We owe it to each other to encourage the spirit man within. To be established and released in its fullness. And it affects our expectations as we come together. And the way we relate to each other. Colossians 3.16. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. In all wisdom. Teaching and admonishing one another. In psalms. Hymns and spiritual songs. Can you imagine? Joshua man of God. I want to encourage you. You're going to be blessed by God. Your future is secure in him. Now it's a little bit embarrassing. Sorry Josh. I know you can handle it. We can't all sing. But I tell you, when you stand... <laughs> Excuse me. Reminding me of Chewbacca Mum. <laughs> if anybody's seen it, you must Google it. It's very funny. If you want to la- want to have a laugh... Was it Google Chewbacca Mum? It's gone viral, apparently. And you'll just laugh. It's, it's just it's contagious. Anyway, the point I'm saying is... Do you know, when I started singing to Josh there... Something started to bubble up. I think it's called joy. And there is life. You know, encourage each other. Come on, let's throw off Britishness and get a little bit giddy with it. Because that is actually powerful and life. It's kingdom. And the world will look on and think, that bunch are crazy. But they're so happy. I want it. You know? And that's what's going to happen. And you just... Hey, you get what I'm saying here. Right. So let the word of God dwell in us and let it well up with songs of encouragement and so on. 
And as we do that, we release the work of the Holy Spirit in each one. And God will be given expression and we will give voice to God's purpose and desires in our midst. The kingdom will be seen in a greater measure. So from now on, we will no longer view anyone from a worldly point of view. Suddenly, the sky's the limit. Hmm. Suddenly, all things become possible. So when we come together, or even when I think about you, I can say, what's Holy Spirit saying? What can I say to encourage you? You know, I fill out when I'm encouraged and built up. When I'm ministered to by word, I, I just become something that I was always meant to be. And it's like a stained glass window. I know it's a bit corny. On a cloudy day, and then the sun breaks out upon it and shines through, gloriously illuminating the colors that were there all along. Chester Cathedral has some amazingly beautiful stained glass windows. This is building up one another. No longer viewing one another from a worldly point of view. We have a divine... Say that again. A divine destiny as individuals, but also as a company of believers. Okay? And we can help that manifest by the way we view one another and respond and relate to each other. Don't be like the people of Nazareth in Galilee. When Jesus read from the scroll. Scroll. And said, oh, isn't that Joseph's son? Oh, yeah, yeah. oh, it's him again. And dismissed it. Because they didn't believe in the divine nature of God, the divine nature of Jesus. They missed a big thing. Okay, I'm going to change tack completely, but it's still in the flow. Last weekend was significant. Anybody tell me why? Anniversaries, yes. It was 35 years of this congregation. Ten years of Mark and Kathy, and one year of Freedom Church. Okay, but it was also exciting for another reason. It was very significant. Now, I just want to share something I think is really significant, and you might want to scribble some things down. Corinne and I set aside some time to seek God, and Corinne had dug out the prophetic folder, and we wiped off the dust, <clears throat> and in it it's listed... Stuff for Corinne, stuff for Katie, stuff for me. And a little bit later in the day, I was leaving the room and I found something for City Church. Well, now is Freedom Church. And I thought, oh, I remember this. Hmm. And it was 10 years old. Interesting. <laughs> bit old, out of date, isn't it? Now, I'm going to read it. But before I do... Last weekend was significant for another reason. Because I was watching Look North. Wow. And on the Look North bulletin was something incredibly prophetic. And so my ears were being grabbed. Uh, They just had this little thing about a British built plane known as, I think it was, the Electronic Eye. That was taken out of decommission. Taken out of, yes, last weekend. This plane was the best in the world when it was made. Flying at a record-breaking altitude of 70,000 feet. Functioning as a spy plane. 
watching the movements of the enemy. Now, it has sat in a hangar under dust sheets for the last, guess how long? Ten years. Fancy that. Hmm. And now some enthusiast has put up the money to restore it to its flying prowess so that it will take to the rarefied atmosphere of 70,000 feet once again. How interesting. And later in the day, while flicking through the channels, with the briefest of whatever, some medieval drama going on and blood and guts, and suddenly the screen goes black and it says, 10 years later, and then it carried on. And I'd flick to another channel and it was like, Okay, God, I think you're saying something. I think I need to pay attention. So are you getting a picture here? I believe the Lord is laying a foundation of faith to help us believe that what he said 10 years ago in this prophetic word is as vibrant and real to us today as it was when it was first delivered. He's saying it's time to blow off the dust and to restore it, restore it to its rightful place on our prayer compass as a church. Now... It was 10 years ago. Well, 10 years, 8 months to be precise. Um, So it must be read through that lens. And all prophetic words need weighing. So I'm not just saying blanket, there you go. But I want us, I do believe it's a very significant word. Um, Just sorry, bear with me. So it is historical. Much is still very pertinent to us. And we need to take heed. Now, many of you will be aware of it when I read it, as I was. I recognized it immediately. And I thought I had remembered what was in it. But I realized I'd actually misunderstood in my recollection of it and thought, wait a minute, there's a subtle difference here I hadn't quite picked out. Okay, now, 10 years ago. And I'll say that God's word can transcend time. And it's about the Holy Spirit seeking a people through whom the word can be fulfilled, no matter how long it may take. And this word carries a now power to it. Okay, you might be wondering why I've put it together with no longer do we regard anyone from a worldly point of view. Well, it has everything to do with it, really, because this is a word from heaven amongst us. Are we going to receive the essence of it? And embrace it. Now it is long. I'm not going to read it all. And I do have some copies. Okay. Because I believe it's something that needs to be taken away. Looked at and prayed over. And I believe that God in his grace. Has brought me back. For some reason I seem to get these reminders of prophetic things. um, And it's come to me at this time. Significantly the fact that it was over the anniversary weekend. So, bear with me. Um, Let's just prepare our hearts to focus and listen and allow the Holy Spirit to speak afresh. Uh, This prophetic word was brought by Sharon Stone, who's a renowned uh, prophetess who now lives in the UK. And she came up to Leeds in September 2005, 10 and so years ago. Okay, And this is virtually verbatim. And I think Andrea probably typed it out word for word. Bless her. So here we go. The Lord spoke to me and said he had put a wildfire on the inside of us, a brush fire anointing within us. There was a time in this house we'd become so seeker friendly that the power of God and the flame of God had almost died out. 
I believe we're talking about something years ago, not recent history, so that's even further ago. We're talking about a long time ago. I felt the Spirit of God say that what he's been doing has been reminding this house that you are called to extremism. Write that word down. I wanted to put it on PowerPoint, but I didn't have the time nor capacity. The house is not called to just do the things the way everybody else would do it. It will not work for you. It is not something God has put on the inside of you and you're going to have to try. You're going to again and again remind each other. This is the bit. Remember who we are. That you're not going to do it the way other people are going to do it. This is 10 years ago. I tell you, it's still true today. So she then looks up the definition of wildfire, brush fire. And this is what she says. It, to be destructive or uncontrollable fire. It is readily ignited and difficult to extinguish. It's excited, violent or heated emotions. A brush fire is a forest fire of the scrub or undergrowth. So then she unpacks this. First, uncontrollable. This doesn't sound like a nice word. Nobody wants to be controlled, but nobody wants to be considered out from under authority either, speaking in church terms. Nobody wants to be considered one who's not related and not submitted in a church anywhere. And she goes on to say, I feel like there's going to be times again and again that you're going to have to prove by relationship that you are committed and connected to others. And there's not always going to be... Um, it, it won't be by the decisions you make. Now, some of it is a little bit difficult to understand and follow, so which is why it's good you can take a copy away and just read it and get the gist of what she's saying in her grammar. Bearing in mind, it was just live streaming when she did it. Just <clears throat> there were going to be those who will consider you unpredictable, that you can't be restrained, and it's going to look like you don't submit to authority. Okay, so just park that. She goes on and elaborates. I'll jump down. The Spirit of God is speaking out front that you're going to look like you're uncontrollable to others around about you. So kind of get ready for it, the criticism. Now in the area of uncontrollable, God gives visions to the houses. God gives corporate plans. She's talking about to a body in a congregation. God gives strategies. You're in a place right now. Now this is very interesting because this is 10 years ago. But it's very interesting to look back and see where we've gone. It's going to look like, and there'll be those among you who are saying, they've left their vision. They've left what God said before. But the Lord said, it's a new installment time. Bearing in mind, God doesn't do things in an instant. It might take years to unfold. You can only operate on what level of truth you know at the time. But when God brings a new download, you can have fresh revelation to extend or enlarge the vision of whatever it is the Spirit of God has given you. So you're in a place where the plans, the visions in this house are being hijacked, are being hijacked. Now, if you think we were in Ashwood Hall for a very long time and then we started to change and feel unsettled and do we sell the building? Wait a minute, but we've come here and... A lot of unsettling. So you're in a place where blah, 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 blah. Yes, sorry. The things you've heard over the years are not limited to that. These are platforms of what the Spirit of God is doing next. And so it may look uncontrollable to some. It's going to require spontaneity in this hour. A liquid enabling to have free form. For you are going to have to move swiftly with what the Spirit of God is giving you to do. And how quick it did happen when it happened. If you remember the move. 
Now, moving on. Thanks for bearing with me. Another word for uncontrollable out of authority is independent. I think this is something you're going to be challenged with. For example, do we think we are so superior doing things independently of others, things that are so different to things everybody else is doing? The Lord is speaking to this house and to those who are here this morning very clearly that it's not independence to have spontaneity with God. It's not independent to be at a place where you're willing to let plans be hijacked for the higher good and the higher call. God spoke to Moses and he wants to bring us into an area of high calling. Um, I'll just move on. Um, She Oh, yes. And she then goes on to talk about the fact we were placed near the university. And she said that she didn't believe she said that people had prophesied that oh, we'll have a ministry to the students and this sort of thing. But that isn't necessarily the case. She said that basically God can bring if people can God can bring people out to John the Baptist in the wilderness. He will bring people to you wherever you are. So it didn't matter. It wasn't an issue. But church, and she said she was trying to say that we weren't a church that were meant to have a student focus, although students are important. And she said, I believe the Spirit of God has called this church threefold family, community, city. And it has to be tri generational. It has to have grandfathers and mothers. It has to have parents. It has to have children to be able to function correctly. And if you get caught in that one area of focus, you're going to miss out on the very thing that has the ability to bless students. So that's with reference to that. So our emphasis wasn't students, it's family, community, city. Also in the area of location, Dilla, yeah, 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 I've talked about that. Um, yeah. The Lord says the vision isn't just in singular form. It is family, community, city. Let's move to the next area. What could wildfire look like? It can look destructive. These are great words this morning, uncontrollable and destructive. Not extreme. There's probably a connection there. But when God said to Jeremiah, I want you to tear down, I want you to root out, I want you to throw down, I want you to destroy. Then I want you to build and plant. There is a progressive thing that happens in times of change. That means that anything that is confining, anything that is limiting has to be broken up so that fresh foundations, you're witnessing them here, fresh foundations can be broadened with the purposes of God. And so everyone of us individually and corporately will know a little bit of what it means when God says it can be shaken, not for destruction's sake, but because you know what you have to build with. You know what you have that has strength within so you can trust it with the weight upon those things. So in the area of destruction, I believe the spirit of God is challenging every one of us. Do we have some limiting mindsets? Do we have limiting vision or focus? We can always challenge ourselves with these words. Look at those things and see if there needs to be destruction of those areas. Allow for the spirit of God to help us. Then she gives the example of Naaman, who was the Syrian army commander or something, who had leprosy. You remember in the Old Testament. And the servant girl said to him, oh, there's a prophet in Israel who could heal you. You go to the prophet. So he went to the prophet and the prophet said, go and dip in the Jordan. Thought to be a mucky river. Seven times and you'll come out washed. Was it three times? Maybe it's three times. I can't remember. Um, And he said, 
huff and puff, I'm not going to go dip in the river. He was going to wave his hand over me and say, leprosy be gone and I'd have been healed. He took offense at the word from heaven. Okay, and missed his opportunity. And if it wasn't for the little servant girl to encourage him, look, why don't you just do it and see? He wouldn't have received it at all. And what the point she was making was, your miracle won't necessarily come the way you expect it. Okay, so we've got to watch those mindsets that anticipate how it's going to be and what's going to happen. We need to hold things loosely, always, so that Holy Spirit can just adjust it. It's so easy to misunderstand things God has said to us, which is why it's important to share broadly amongst us. How do we feel the Spirit speaking this way and that? Okay, I've nearly done. The next word is on wildfire is excited. It means stimulated by strong emotions. It's got an interesting zeal about it. There's an enthusiasm. There's an eagerness. These are all good qualities. These are things that God likes in us. These are things we hate in ourselves when we begin to lose them. Excited. I believe that we're not called to be well balanced. (laughs) Glory to God. Church, you are not called to be well balanced. Okay, Ben, you're not called to be well balanced. Okay, you're given permission to be crazy for God. Okay, God has called you to extremes. God has put it within you to be the ones that your balance is walking with what the Spirit of God has given you to do. There is so much God is going to do in this house that will ride on excitement. Now, that's really interesting. And we are provoked by that. You know, it's, oh, it's church, Sunday morning. Okay, wonder what will be happening today. All right, no. What do we see when we come together? We don't look with a worldly point of view. There is dynamite on the inside of each one of us. And we've got to be the whatever it is that's going to light the blue touch paper and retire. Not literally. But you're going to be exploding in God. Not just fleshly stuff. I'm talking about when just something happens on the inside and you're leaping because you know, oh, Holy Spirit spoke to me. Jacob was encouraged the other day and he came over to me after a preach and said, will you pray for me? I want to pray and agree with you for a job. Jacob, do you have a job? Yeah, I do, yeah. How many hours a week? 30. How many hours a week? 20, 20 to 25. As a student, wow, to supplement his income. Fantastic. We prayed with a prayer of agreement because something sparked on the inside of Jacob of faith. Yes, I can believe it. I wasn't talking about getting jobs. I didn't know what I was talking about. But something happened because the word was being shared. And there was an excitement. Yeah, come on. You got the job. And praise God. God's at work. We need to encourage ourselves. Okay, I'm sorry this is going on a very long time, but I'm nearly coming to the conclusion. If I can find where I was, we've talked about Naaman and extremes and excitement. You are called as a coach that is able to speak to runners to get more out of them than they believe they can give themselves. No longer looking at one another from a worldly perspective. Look, I can see you can do this. Nick, you do a great job clearing up that car park every week. Bless you because... The head teacher was really encouraged. That ministers something. And just think about all those other people that think, oh, all that rubbish is gone again. That's great. What is it? Something's going on. And she talks about excitement being the mercury in the thermometer. That we can gauge and measure how we're doing. Come on, let's be encouraged. 
It was a long word she brought, I know, but it's really rich. The next thing God spoke about, wildfire, is that it is violent. The violent take the kingdom of God by force. That's Matthew eleven twelve, I think. I believe, she says, the Spirit of God is speaking of the area of violence here, of brutal, forceful strength. There's no nice way to put it. <laughs> there comes a time that you just have to have a push-throughness, the ability to take physical action, a forcefulness, to be able to agree and accomplish what God called, what God's called extreme measures. There will be times when you just wonder, are we just pushing this through? Are we just making this happen? But when revelation is released in your spirit man, sorry, your spirit man goes, when do we get to do it? When do we get to do it? When do we get to do it? Your mind, soul and will and emotions will say, what if we fail? What if it's not right? What if we have no money? And so on. The spirit of God is bringing you to a place where in the midst of this violence, you're listening to the spirit of God. There is a forcefulness that comes through it. It's talking about... Um, Hebrews 11, here is a faith, but also about here is a faith yet to come. They will conquer, conquer kingdoms. I believe that if you're going to have a place in the workplace, universities, government, society, these places of influence, you'll have to know how it is to conquer kingdoms. This will take a violent and a forcefulness that the Spirit of God has put within you. And lastly, brush fire. She talks about, uh, in California where she used to live, that it would just sweep through and burn everything up. But then after it, the burnt up ash would fertilize the ground and it would just cause so much life. And she said, I feel like you're in the midst of so many birthings. A prophet comes in at the time of transition where there's a birthing and a death going on simultaneously. I'm here to say that anything that, <laughs> anything that stinketh, let it die. That which God has not called, let go of it, but that which the Spirit of the Lord is promising, a freshness of growth. To have spiritual eyes that you might be able to see. You might be able to know each other after the eyes of the Spirit. Yes. Did you hear that somewhere earlier? Not the eyes of the flesh. Also, what the brush fire does is fertilize the next generation yes. of growth. The next generation of growth. The next generation of growth. Okay, and this is what it's talking about. This wildfire is about the people coming beyond that after us. Okay, thank you so much for listening so long. I really appreciate it. Bless you guys. As I say, there are copies. Um, I'll just close with a brief prayer. And the baton can be passed to Mark. The one with the ribbon. And I have others. Father, we want to receive uh, all that you're saying. We don't want to miss it. I'm asking you, Lord, from today that you will help us to carry forward the living word from heaven. And whatever this is, help us to adjust, to shift, to renew our zeal in you. Father, as we go from this place, we ask for your blessing and that we will carry it to every place we take our feet. In Jesus' name. Amen. In this house. We are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. We give second chances to anyone. And we also have lots of fun. In this house, we definitely forgive. We also do loud. 
we gave the best hugs. We are family. And in this house, that means we, we love. love.